back to the podcast I'm Faiza. And I'm Nicole. Welcome, welcome, everyone. I hope you're having a fabulous, you know, time because I don't know, some people listen to this probably at like really random hours of the day. But, <laughs> um, we just wanted to say hi, we're back. Um, and we are going to start things off with an icebreaker question, just as we normally do. As always. And, yes, as always. And um, I feel like this one's definitely going to be like a challenging one for us both. Um, but the question is, would you rather travel back in time to meet your ancestors or would you rather go to the future to meet your descendants? Okay, well, I guess I can try to answer this question. This is a very, this is a very interesting question. And I, I really don't know where, if I want to travel back to the past or the future, but I think I'm leaning towards traveling back in time to meet my ancestors. Um, And I think this stems from one, I don't think I would want to travel to the future to be my, my descendants because I think that would make me just like very anxious and like wondering like what's going on and just kind of like knowing that I had or I had some influence in how my descendants are doing. And so I just don't want to think about that. But I think I would travel to more, more, be more willing to travel to the past from your ancestors, um, you know, because I think for me, I think my parents have talked about you know like where we come from um or like I should say like where they come from and like what tribes or you know just kind of like that history their family history and also the history you know related to the country like both my parents come from countries that were colonized and so I think it'd be really cool to kind of hear their experiences about that and also be able to hear just like such rich history um that has definitely just stemmed from so many generations that I'm not able to hear from my parents because I immigrated to the U.S. and I've just been kind of disconnected to just like my ancestors and like who I am my culture and everything and so I think just like traveling back in time would ground me a little better and like help me to better understand um kind of understand my or I should say understand where I come from which would hopefully help me better understand and be more comfortable with with it, with my identities yes that, that's a beautiful response Faiza um I feel like yeah I like really resonate a lot with that um in some aspects of like wanting to better understand who you are and where you come from because I feel like like you know that's like the big question that a lot of us ask is like how did we get here right um because if you want to know where you go and you got to understand where you come from mm-hmm. um I just feel like um, for me, like my ancestry, I feel like would be a little like maybe potentially like disappointing. Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, I think there's like one side of my family that I would probably be more curious to know about because I feel like mm. there's a lot of like secrets, but like, honestly, yeah, I feel like there's like a lot of tea, but um, I, every family has their secrets, right? Like that's undeniable. Um, Mm -hmm. But yes, uh, I would, I'm kind of, I'm kind of leaning more towards seeing my descendants. Maybe this is because I have a little bit of an ego and want to see like them be successful (laughs) (laughs) and be like, I did that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I get the credit. (laughs) I get the credit. 
Um, but like, I'm also just curious to see, like, do they carry on like what I would hope for them to carry on? Obviously, like, don't want to impose mm. some things I'm going to impose on my children. Like, they're going <laughs> to be anti-racist. They're going yes. to yes. like respect people. They're like, yes. there's just some things I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, this is just how you're going to grow up to be. But um, there's like other things that like I'm kind of curious to see of like, oh, do they take on like my like I don't know, like, are they going to be more artistic or more like, are they going to be successful? Like, are, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? I'm just kind of always curious to see like how, how that would pan out, like who they will be as people, because in a way it's like a representation of like, you know, who you are, because we all kind of, you know, come from somewhere. So anyway, but I just think it'd be really cool also just to see like the future and like see how things look and see if like any systemic change has like actually occurred and if their life is yeah. living. I'm kind of curious to see like, I mean, as I was talking about before the recording, like globalization, like seeing how does that impact, you know, folks in the future, like will our quality of life, like continue to be like good or will it go downhill? Like what will happen? Just like, I'm just kind of curious to see like what will happen, I think. Um, so yeah, but I kind of do share that anxiety too of like if the person ends up not not in the greatest shape. Yeah. Like, it's gonna be a little bit of a cringe. That's but, gonna um, be rough to to see. Yeah. <laughs> like you're like, dang. Uh, sorry, like I'm like I'm like if one of my like descendants like like were to, like what if they were like the next like bad dictator like oh, God. oh girl like, I'm sure like all of like I'm thinking of like Hitler like I'm I'm sure like all his like. I don't know but like I'm, I'm assuming like his grandparents is like I mean they're probably all just like turning in their graves and all that <laughs> um and like there's like that theory too that Hitler was actually Jewish too like you oh know God, and stuff like that. yeah much. so like I, I just find like for me like what if I like what if my like child or like grandchild or great-grandchild is like but also they could be like the next big like amazing person you know what let's let's just think let's just think more positively <laughs> that they're gonna be awesome amazing they're accomplishing so much and yeah and you know continuing your legacy of like you yeah. said like anti-racism and anti-racism anti-oppression all around you know yeah i just want them to be a good people i don't really oh. care about like what they do in life as long as what they're doing makes them happy and like they're able to kind of also i hope that they don't worry about the things like i had I've had to worry about. I've obviously mm -hmm. lived a very privileged life, but like, you know, like my hope is that like they don't have to worry about like climate change and they don't have to worry about like mm -hmm. corrupt governments and like obviously the, I think those will continue to exist, but especially in like the U.S. context, I'm not actually entirely sure if I'll be in the U.S. for the rest of my life, but uh, yeah, uh, but like. I just think like I'm just kind of curious to see how things pan out and like how, yeah. how their lives look like. Who knows? It could be like the Jonas Brothers song, like the year 3000 and they live underwater. <laughs> Literally live that's, underwater. That's underwater. Yeah. Um, oh so that's kind, of, that's kind of funny. But no, I think that's very valid too. Just like wondering, you know, what what will happen in the future and like what's going on to see if change actually occurred and, and if your descendants have actually had a role in it and I'm pretty sure your kids and your kids kids and your kids 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 will definitely um they're gonna be so annoyed with my ass like, they're gonna be like oh my god here comes grandma Nicole it'll fucking oh like me <laughs> like but you know it's I'm like it's good for bitch. you okay <laughs> yeah. like <laughs> you better um, listen yeah yeah they better listen in. otherwise like I don't believe in violence but <laughs> 
you know something's gonna happen you know gonna happen i don't know what's gonna happen but something's gonna happen <laughs> so funny but no this is this is a really fun question though and yeah i like that yeah. i'm gonna start asking that to people like yeah i feel like this this would be like a really because you also like see kind of um like your thought process come out and like um but yeah i think like i think from like the past too is really important and i feel like Maybe it's because I like know where my ancestors come from, but I don't feel like as attached to mm-hmm. like that outcome. Yeah. But like I know for some folks, like they might not have any idea of where they come from. I right. feel like in America that's like pretty common. Like, like um, like we have like a general idea of like I'm I'm also talking about like the white experience more so right, than right. like other experiences, but like right. Like you're like, oh, I guess I'm like Scottish or I guess I'm like Irish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like, what does that mean? Like, why did they come to America? Like, why are we here? I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean, those are those are some good questions. Another thing I was thinking about is just like, you know, descendants of enslaved Africans, right? Like, right. I feel like that would be, it's very it's very <laughs> interesting to kind of think about, like yeah. you're saying they the thought been, like, process. Royalty. Mm-hmm. They could have been like, Dude, you know what I mean? Probably were. Like, <laughs> like probably like low key. And I'm just like that like for me like would be because also like my ancestors I know came from Spain apparently we're like oh god this is like this is this is this makes me cringe so hard um my ancestors were two brothers okay their last name is Durango and that's like my great grandma's uh last like maiden name and they were supposed to be the protector of indigenous folks Uh uh-uh I don't like how that's sounding. <laughs> Were they protecting? No, <laughs> because if you look at my great grandma, she ain't she ain't white. So there is definitely some stuff going on there. Oh, real. That's like, very interesting. I don't know, man. I'm not even gonna go there. No, I'm, not gonna go. <laughs> like, I'm just like I like kind of just would rather not know. Like I'm not gonna neglect the fact mm. that like. Spanish did to Latin America but like damn like I was just yeah like, okay I mean like, yeah it's... those very valid points of why would you you would not want to travel that back to the past and be like yeah, I, don't I, want to see I, would, I think I would just like literally have maybe a psychotic breakdown yeah like, you know what I mean it'd be like, too much it'd just be too much and like my grandpa like when he told me that he was like so proud and I was like oh my god grandpa no no like like it's it's so like just Oh no. Because but, I feel like it's like cool for you. Like you get to talk to your ancestors and like have that perspective and like, like that rich history that like like it, it, it like also I feel like like white history is like the the narrative that we're taught in school and is like the narrative that we're taught in life. And mm. so like, I feel like for me it's like I kind of know my history. Oh, I like, see. Yeah, I see what you You know mean. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. It, like in other ways I don't really know like the fucked up thing all the fucked up things that like white people have done kind of in like colonialism and like things like that but like at the same time it's like we learn about Irish American immigrants we learn about that right. type of stuff so I right. feel like it'd be more I don't know like for me it'd be kind of like oh that's cool because like history is written by the victors and like my right. I like in theory like mine were the victors in some ways so like yeah I don't know yeah that's kind of cool I mean like going back to back to the royalty thing no I feel like that's I don't know if I misinterpreted this when I'm like my parents are talking but I don't know if it's my mom's side or dad's side they're just saying that 
either they read a center from royalty or I guess like just like had that like you know I don't know had some power or something like that and I'm Ooh. like dude that'd be so cool to see <laughs> I love that for you honestly love like, that you know, I want to go see that I want to like experience that and just kind of I don't know just experience you know what my you know what the country's of my parents were before you know colonial right. times i think the that'd culture be so must cool. be so rich yeah i see it all the time and you know my parents talked to me a little bit about it but you know it now it's kind of mixed up with you know what what right. the white folks you know right. what the colonists what the colonists did yeah. when they brought over but you know i think it'd be just so cool to see that what just what yeah. occurred before yeah like so what cool. what's just, what it, what it was when it was untouched you know untouched yeah like I, honestly like that would like be really cool to see because like they had a whole last empires before yeah, they did yeah and so like i'm just like wow how, how did this look like like i don't know i feel like that's that's really cool and i feel like that'd be so cool if like you just sh- rolled up and like let's say like your <laughs> great 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 grandmother was like the queen of like you know the tribe you come from or like things like right, that and, like that'd right. be so cool. like <laughs> Oh, you know, you know, that kind of so dope. definitely yeah. beats out, you know, the, the Durango brothers. For sure. yeah, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. Goodness. I mean, I feel like the Nelson side, like my dad's side, like the really white side is like, just like we were like Irish potato farmers or like something really basic. I, I think we were like pilgrims or like something like we just came over on that Mayflower. Like, I, <laughs> I know. <laughs> We were on the Mayflower. Yes. Like, <laughs> I don't want to see that. Like, like back in the day, like Europeans were like nasty. Like nasty. Nasty. They threw their shit in the street quite like literally. you tri- like you just travel back and you end up on that shit on a ship and you're Imagine. like, oh I'm no. Um, but like I, I'm kind of curious to see like um because like my great grandma's from Sweden. Mm. And like that interests me because like I love Scan- Scandinavia is like so pretty and stuff, but like and then my other family's side of the family is like German, but like I, I don't, I don't know. Like Europe is like kind of like when you go there, there's like a lot of history there you can see already, and yeah. you feel that connection kind of. I don't know, but I think I think for you that'd be so cool. I think that I, I love it. I love it for you, honestly. I, can I only love wish. It for you. Yes, thank you, thank you. I could only wish. You can tell me how the future is, you know, and <laughs> when we come if back, flying cars, I'm going to be thoroughly <laughs> upset. Like, I want eco-friendly flying cars. Flying cars. I'm like, if y'all haven't figured this out, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I demand a refund. I don't even know refund from what, but I'm going to go full Karen, okay? I'm gonna <laughs> Karen. <laughs> I want to talk to your manager. <laughs> oh, that's too, that's too good. This time travel did not work. (laughs) Time travel did not work. I want my money back. Like I don't know. I just I would be I would be disappointed. Also, like just like some other things for the future. Like obviously all the social stuff, like racism, hopefully being like somewhat eradicated, and like things like that. Yeah. Like I would like to see that, but also like technology. I want to see like are they gonna start putting chips in our brains and stuff? I want Mm -hmm. to. You know, that doesn't seem too far off. I mean, that could happen when we're still alive. Who knows? I mean, like when I get the COVID vaccine, when we get the COVID vaccine, it's we're getting chips and we're getting like, chips Bill Gates, this, guys. You know, you know. Disclaimer, that's disinformation. But like, it's not like we already have chips in our phones. You know, <laughs> bro, like I don't. 
like literally i'm so sorry like i i i could i could never understand trump people like there's like like open a textbook open a textbook read some facts you know read some facts don't even okay do not read the news because the news you read is completely inaccurate like i'm talking about you as in trump people but like i like like i Okay, sorry, that was like very tangential, but like, uh, like, like very tangent. Like, I just, I don't know, I feel like someone was on, I was on TikTok, surprise, surprise. Um, <laughs> and this girl was talking about how she like her favorite pastime is like arguing with people who support Trump on like Facebook and stuff. And like, like how they're like, she explained their arguments like very well. She's like, their arguments are just like all these fake facts. They like, pick up from like whatever new source or like yeah, Fox News. Right. Yeah, exactly. Or like even the more like alt-right crazy news sources. Um and like and then their their like support is just their opinion. Like it's not like facts. My evidence <laughs> is my opinions, guys. So therefore <laughs> it's the truth. Like that's no. not what evidence means but okay <laughs> okay 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 whatever whatever floats your boat I guess but like literally it was she was like she was just like guys like I don't even know how to argue with these people because it's like their arguments are like so fundamentally flawed it's like that's how three-year-olds argue I think some three-year-olds argue better to be honest to there be are honest, some really yeah. intelligent three-year-olds out there that's, that's true that's true but like I'm like <laughs> like dang like dang okay so it's hard for that tangent but you know but it's worth bringing up okay when i watched that tiktok i was like she's spitting facts like that's really true that's so true all right so what um we're looking to discuss today is um you know something that's very something that's been occurring for the past or something that has really exploded within the past year but obviously has occurred since you know, the beginning of this country, yeah. knowing the history of this country. Um, right. So we're going to be talking about um, the rise in anti-Asian hate crimes and just like anti-Asian racism, discrimination, anti-Asian-ness, you know, whatever you would like to call it. Um, we are going to discuss that and just kind of, you know, why, why is it happening during COVID? I'm sure y'all have figured that out, but really just then stemming from, you know, or kind of going back to that history right, of um, Asian Americans in this country and, you know, and kind of these stereotypes that um, Americans, or especially white Americans, have um, constructed of Asian folks. And then we're going to talk about, you know, the responses to, um, to kind of this rise of hate crimes and all that stuff, like what are folks doing, kind of more community, you know, based responses or grassroots, you know, initiatives. Um, and then we're gonna move on to talk about um, Black Asian solidarity, kind of that history, because I feel like that's such an important topic to talk about. Because in terms of you know what we're seeing, what um, there there I don't know there 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 are obvious tensions between the Black community and the Asian community. Um, there are probably tensions between you know all racialized groups in terms of talking about you know what issues take precedent or what is more worse. You know, this kind of like a oppression Olympics that is honestly not necessary. And so we're gonna talk about that, but also just more importantly talk about this need for 
um, Black Asian solidarity, but really solidarity across all racialized groups um, against white yeah. supremacy and white folks. Um, and then Nicole is going to kind of bring in a case study of an important figure during the civil rights movement, an Asian American woman who was literally such a badass. <laughs> and really, just literally just going back to this history, right, of Black yeah. Asian solidarity during civil rights and during, yeah. you know, Black power, um, you know, and Asian power and whatnot. Um, so we are very excited to talk about this. And we think we it's very necessary to talk about it right now. It's very current. It's very real and raw. Um, so yeah. Anything else to add, Nicole, before no, we get started? I'm gonna add is um, let's let's get into it. You know, sorry, my neighbor was walking by and she's pregnant. Good for her. Okay, sorry. Oh, okay, <laughs> um, uh, anyway, um, their babies are so cute. That's why I'm excited. Okay, um, so, <laughs> um, anyway, I uh, know. Let's let's get into this. Sorry, sorry, I literally have the most scattered brain. It's I'm calling this COVID brain. It's just not. It's just not there the time you know you know what it it is yep it is real it's happening let's see if <laughs> i'm able to piece all this stuff together um okay i so believe in you faiza faiza is <laughs> literally so smart like she's just she's gonna like knock this out of the park like she's gonna it's literally everything that i see like in the news like news articles when i see on instagram and like what you know, tweets from twitter are placed onto instagram there's like so many things that are happening oh, so much information yeah. that's in my brain so you know bear, bear with me when i'm trying to um just, just start and like once you start it kind of comes i feel like also like once you find like you're like one of those people like i'm kind of like this too it's like once you get into like a passionate topic it's like you get into it like, that's true no, that's true there's no backtrack you just get Yo, into we're it. gonna we're gonna get into into it today. So let me see. Yeah. All right. So um what we're gonna basically, so like I mentioned before, um unfortunately there's been an increase in anti-Asian sentiment, anti-Asian hate crimes, racism, discrimination, and all of that because of COVID. Um, because the virus originated from China, there is this kind of um, association between, you know, the virus and especially, you know, Chinese, Chinese Americans, American folks in the U.S. Um, the association that, you know, Chinese folks and now broader, you know, Asian, Asian American people in general are the cause of this virus and they're just spreading this virus, which is not true, right? Because the virus um, doesn't discriminate. The virus does not care what race, what gender, what class, whatever identities you are. The virus just spreads like it does and will, you know, infect whoever. That's just basic biology. Um, but unfortunately, that has been the case. And there's just kind of this, like, you know, increase in, you could say, anger, increase in all of this frustrations. Yes, it's valid, right? Because of COVID, COVID has disrupted um, our livelihoods, has disrupted our normal everyday life. It is fair to be frustrated, but honestly, it is not okay to take it out on a racialized group. It is not okay to take it out on Asian Americans and blame them and scapegoat them for what's happening, right? That is, that, that's just not... That's not okay. You should not be doing that, but people are doing that. And so on social media, and I'm, I'm mostly on Instagram or, you know, in the news, 
that mm-hmm. honestly nowadays has stemmed from all of what's happening on social media. Um, now and now it's in the news because there's just more awareness and more folks who are trying to get all of this information out. There have been um, really violent attacks on Asian Americans, specifically Asian American elderly. And this is not just towards, you know, Chinese American folks. This is towards, you know, there is this Thai elderly man who was just pushed on the road. There is um, a Filipino man in New York City who got slashed in the face on the subway. Um, there is another Asian American woman, I believe. You know, th- this is happening all over the country. And it's very interesting because where these places are happening or these places that I've noticed are more liberal or that claim to be more liberal, such as California or New York. And these are the places where Asian American, the Asian American population um, is pretty large. Um, and so, you know, it's very, I think it's very kind of interesting to see these trends, right? These places that claim to be liberal and yet, you know, they, um, there are hate crimes that are happening against Asian Americans. Um, so what is the very alarming statistic that um, I've seen and that I've read is that there's this kind, there has been an increase in these hate crimes of about 1900%, so it's 1900% from the time, or I guess from before COVID up until, you know, COVID happened and, and we've been in this pandemic really for about a year over a year. And so 1900%, that is huge. That is so, such a huge amount. Um, you know, Stop AAPI Hate, um, which is an organization that, you know, reports all of these incidents of hate crimes. Say there are, you know, thousands, thousands, right? A few thousand of hate crimes that are reported um, during this time and during this year. Um, and it's just really unfortunate to kind of, it's just so heartbreaking to see that, especially against Asian American elderly folks. Like, why are you targeting, you know, why are people targeting elderly. And I know I have many kind of opinions and kind of, you know, just speculations about why people are specifically targeting elderly. It's not to say that, you know, younger um, Asian American folks are not experiencing, you know, physical assault and kind of hate crimes. Hate crimes are existing in so many different ways of like physical assault, verbal assault, harassment, whatever. Um, But just the fact that there are just such an increase in crimes against the elderly is just really vile. It's just so cruel. It's disgusting. Like, why are you attacking elderly folks? Right? You can take away race. Why would you, why would you want to see someone like your grandma be attacked? Right? Or attack someone like your grandparents? Right. It's just like mind blowing. Like, it's like, it just, I just, I, I, I too struggle to comprehend, like, you know, like, cause even though like old folks can be like problematic, to be honest, um, <laughs> sometimes like sometimes. they're old people, you respect old people. Like, I'm sorry. Like you respect them. Like, I don't know what rock you've been living under, but like, I don't know. And I think, I think it might even come from just like this understanding of like the culture, right. Of Asian um, culture, like respecting elders and understanding that elderly folks are, you know, a huge part of the community as well. I think, you know, attacking those who are vulnerable, most vulnerable, um, you know, physically and in other aspects, right? Like by being elderly, um, it really just, I think it that particularly really hits the Asian American community, right? Just attacking their elderly and understanding that that is just a, you know, a population that they highly respect. Um, it's really, I just really, I just don't understand. It's really just so heartbreaking 
to kind of see that. Um, but yeah, I think in understanding why this happened, this because of you know the COVID-19 pandemic coming out of China and all that stuff, these hate crimes aren't, and these, these hate crimes aren't isolated incidences. They're not isolated incidences from each other, but they're not isolated incidences in terms of the history of this country, in terms of what this country is founded on. Um, and of course, this country is founded on, as we've talked about and mentioned before, white supremacy, you know, white folks coming to this country and creating this racial hierarchy. Um, that was interesting because that racial hierarchy was, um, you know, constructed with white folks on the top and, you know, enslaved Africans on the bottom. And that still is true today um, with, you know, Asian Americans or Asian folks immigrating to this country kind of now creates this hierarchy or kind of confuses and messes up this hierarchy of like, where do they belong, right? And like, how should we treat them? They're obviously a racialized group. And so that's where the model minority myth comes from that we talked about in our model minority myth episode. And that's where this stereotype of the perpetual foreigner comes from in order to kind of secure Asian Americans into this racial hierarchy and to justify, you know, violence, justify this violence that we're seeing um, right now, currently. Um, because, you know, they, you know, they, if, especially in terms of the perpetual foreigner, right, they, you know, come into this country, but they're not really Americans, right, even though they've lived here for so long. Um, they come into this country, there are many, you know, uh, you know, horrible stereotypes that, you know, immigrants bring diseases, that's very especially true for Asian, or the stereotype is very much applied to Asian Americans. Um, and Asian immigrants, right? They're bringing disease, they're bringing all of this stuff, right? They're bringing the COVID-19 virus or, you know, more racially, um, or some folks call it the China virus or the Kung flu, which are heavily racialized terms to point to um, this perpetual foreigner stereotype, to point to the stereotype that Asians are dirty and unclean and that they're full of disease, right? This has stemmed all the way from when Chinese immigrants came to San Francisco in the late 1800s, right? That's why they had to create their own Chinatowns because they weren't accepted into, you know, general society because they were deemed as, you know, um, as clean and whatnot and they were deemed as disease and they have to be put off separately. And so these are sentiments that um, have existed since the first Asian immigrants started coming to this country, you know, a few hundred years ago. Um, and it has not gone away. And also we have to understand that this also stems from that history of exclusion, right? Like Asian Americans have been excluded um, from immigrating to this country in mass numbers, right? With the Chinese Exclusion Act and other acts that, um, and other laws that were signed in place to exclude Asian Americans. So of course, when Asian, we're Asian American immigrants started coming to this country, you know, after like 1965, whenever the Immigration Act of, you know, of 65, I believe was passed, like, you know, there just, there's, no, you know, a large wave of Asian immigrants and there's now, they're still trying to grapple with like, where do they fit in? And like, are they Americans and all of that stuff. Um, and so really this shows, and unfortunately the model minority myth has kind of patched up or hit like made invisible racism against Asian Americans. But you know, what is happening right now in terms of anti-Asian hate crimes and very violent um, hate crimes is that this racism is real and it's only been hidden. It's not like it never existed. It's real, it's really just coming out into the light 
Um, and I think that's just something that's really important to kind of keep in mind and to consider that Asian, like racism against Asian Americans, just because they're the model minority, or you think that they're the model minority, that it doesn't exist. But no, it does exist. Um, and racism against other, you know, racialized groups also exists and it's very valid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it's it's like, I don't know why, like, I think this is because like the perpetuation of the model minority myth, as you say, I just like, yeah, this virus, like I, I'm, um, I when I was in Chile, I, I just got back to the States, but trying to explain to folks that like, this virus could have happened anywhere. This could have happened due to factory farming in the US. This could have happened mm-hmm. in Europe. This could have happened like anywhere. Like it's not like a racialized thing. It's just right. like a virus and a virus doesn't care. Doesn't <laughs> care where you come from, doesn't care what- Exactly. Um, so like, you know, um, and then all the, the, you know, those fun little, those fun little super racist myths that like the Chinese government created this virus. And like, I'm like, no, like, it just came from like wet markets and like yeah like jumping between species like like this could have happened in like like the factory farming world like that's why we had the swine flu and things like that like it, it that's this this is this is like like th- these these kind of like mega viruses come from the jumping of different through different species of right animals and things like that so um, I remember like in my freshman year English class, we read about factory farming and literally in the book, it was like the next big virus is going to come from an animal. It's going to come from factory farming. And like, it didn't this time, but who's to say the next one won't. Um, so yeah, it's like very harmful to the perpetuation of these myths because it reinforces this idea that Asians don't have a place in American society when they very much do. And a lot of the immigrants coming from Asia, like, I think initially a lot of the immigrants coming from Asia were like more highly educated coming from more East Asian countries like China or Japan. But then right. like, as time has gone by, as you mentioned, FISA, like it's coming from Southeast Asia, it's coming from other countries. Um, and obviously it just shows that like, you can't like, to me, I'm like, you know, the Asian racial group comprises 80 plus countries who knows how many languages I don't, I don't know off the top of my head probably I mean, many like neither there's yeah. many <laughs> yeah because you have to factor in like dialects and other stuff right, like that as well. right. um and there's no you know asian it, it just to me i'm like why like we can't generalize because if we generalize you 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 lose you you lose nuance which is is important and valid um so just to me too, and this idea, like you're saying the Olympics of oppression. Um, so like, I, I just, yeah, I'm like, why why are we so hyper-focused on, I'm more oppressed than you. Look how many different intersections I have that make me more oppressed than you. Instead of focusing on how can we undo this oppression or how can mm-hmm. we make it better? Because if we like stay focused on who's more oppressed, we don't focus on the why and we don't focus on how to change it right we're not so, going to get anything done right no exactly <laughs> just what white supremacists want white supremacy that's what it wants mm-hmm. it wants us to remain it wants like especially communities of color to remain divided mm-hmm. um, and i think we see this in a lot of examples um and 
I don't know, this makes me think a lot because like I noticed a lot of like the anti-Asian sentiment in Chile was like a lot more pronounced mm -hmm. than I had seen it in, pre in previous years. Um, and I think it's just because they just don't have a lot of exposure to Asian folks at all. Um, and like growing up in California, like like you mentioned before, like California and like New York or states where they have the largest Asian populations in the country. And so I grew up going to school with Asian folks. I grew up like they were just always there. And so I just didn't like and it's just like I think it's that's what that's why it's important to be exposed to people who are different than you, who have different lived experiences than you especially because like it just makes you more like respectful of other cultures and like understanding and like wanting to like get to know people who like are different than you or maybe mm -hmm. you know what I mean like it kind of just makes you more like maybe more global in how you think it's like it makes right. you more like open um, it makes you better. more global more empathetic into, empathetic too. to yeah, understanding definitely. right like the, their struggles and like right you know and kind of going back to like this how personal Olympics I see on Instagram and like being a you know biracial person being black and Asian like it's very heartbreaking to kind of see then too like on both sides like specifically for like the black community and the Asian community like I mentioned before like there were tensions and these tensions have existed um or you know have been in place right like I believe um it was LA like in the 90s, like, you know, in the race riots and all that stuff, like, you know, the black community and like the Korean community there, like just like did not get along, right? And they just, you know, like were, were divided. Um, and, you know, you know, to, to be fair, right? Like in the Asian community, there are anti-black sentiments, obviously there's yeah. anti-blackness and that has to be addressed. Um, and, you know, it's very apparent in like comments right on Instagram posts, like, oh, like we're black folks now, like, oh, like they say like black lives matter or like all of this stuff, like um, how come they're not, you know, fighting for, you know, this issue or, oh, like some, you know, assailants or some of the people who actually assaulted these Asian American elderly are black. And I'm like, I don't think that should be the thing that you focus on and have this as an excuse to be anti-black, right? I think this should be something that, you know, I think um, Asian Americans, you should not necessarily be relying on black folks to kind of speak up and like, this is what's happening like to Asian American elderly in the Asian American community. This is something that you need to stand up, you know, and there are, you know, grassroots initiatives and community-based, you know, organizations that are already doing that. But this is not to, you know, the kind, that kind of language should not be kind of this crutch, right? To be like, oh, right. like black folks don't care. They only care about or whatever type shit. It, right. it should just be, you know, now Asian Americans, you know, kind of learning, you know, from the activism and all, all of that stuff that black folks have been doing, right, for decades, um, then they should, you know, kind of do this and kind of um, take the initiative and, and really advocate for your own community. Um, and, and I think that is an important message, right? And I think, you know, some, you know, black anti-racist educators on Instagram were sharing, like, why are you waiting for black folks and stuff? Like, Asian Americans, you gotta do your thing. Like, this is your thing. This is something that you have to um, fight against. But also, in terms of the black community, like, there is also anti-Asian sentiment, um, of, of course, due to kind of these tensions that have existed. Right. And that does not, that should not serve or, or you know, kind of understanding right like your position as a black person in this country and understanding that yes you do receive you know a worse magnitude of you know racial violence and oppression and you know those things but that should not prevent you know black folks that should not prevent us from 
you know, being in solidarity with the Asian American community, right, in, during this time. This is a time where you understand that this is coming from the same root, and that root is white supremacy, as all racial violence comes from. And so you have to understand that this is just really just another manifestation that you have to fight against it as well and not, you know, not use the excuse of, you know, anti-Asian sentiment and whatnot to, you know, not be in solidarity with them. Um, and so I think that's just really just kind of heartbreaking statements on, you know, for especially for the Black community and the Asian American community, um, you know, being against each other when they should be um, in solidarity with each other. Um, and so I also saw something really, really important, um, especially for folks who are Black and Asian or, you know, Blasian, whatever people call it. Um, and I saw this um, Blasian person on Instagram. She posted a TikTok, I believe, about kind of talking about like, oh, you know, stop because I'm Blasian, right? Like, stop trying to make me choose a side or stop trying to make me, you know, comment on whatever this is. Like, this is a huge toll on my mental health. Like, I'm not trying to be kind of this like mediator, right? Or spokesperson for both sides, um, right. right? Like, this is, um, you know, she she is also, you know, she's her own person, right? Like, Blasian folks and biracial folks in general, like, are their own people. They shouldn't have to choose, um, you know, kind of between two communities that they're both a part of. Um, right. kind of right in this moment and so I think that's also a very important um, kind of thing to point out too um, just you know and understanding that you know especially for being Blasian right now like you know I don't have to choose I can still talk about what's happening in the Asian American community and I can still you know fight for what's happening to black folks in the black community. And it's just as valid. Just as valid <laughs> right? You're not like I hate when people are like tell like biracial folks multiracial folks that like they're not enough of one thing or the other mm -hmm. and I'm like they are they right. are who they are and, I'm, like, both. They, I'm like, both really. yes, you're 100 both really 100 both okay um so I just don't understand like when like you forcing people to choose I'm like you know and then, like also like I feel like biracial folks are like not trying to speak on their behalf but like have different lived experiences because of that like living right. Like, yeah, I think that's really awesome. I think that's a really good point to bring up too, because like, um, as our world becomes more and more globalized, as more as biracial folks become more and more commonplace, um, this will be continue to be a more of a lived reality. So, sorry, someone just slammed a door really loudly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like my parents are very loud, so sorry if you show up in the audio of this. But um, like, yeah, I just find that. Um, like it's it's just going to be more and more of a thing so we just got to embrace it for what it is and there's nothing wrong with it it's just just another way it's just it's just another like and i think it's awesome i think like biracial folks bring so much um interesting dialogue to the table because they're able to critically look at two different cultures and two different racial experiences in a way that many people don't have that exposure right that understanding um, because you're kind of marginalized in two different groups, like, right. you know, so I think, I think it's like an interesting, um, yeah. it's an interesting place to be. It's it cool. Is, I mean, it's interesting, it's cool, but it also can kind of, yeah, this point of contention and you're kind of oh. like, oh, you know, oh, like yeah. trying to grapple I mean, with it's, your it's own identity. <laughs> it's challenging, dude. Like I, I like, 
being bicultural is like challenging, but I benefit from white privilege and I right. like white. And so it makes it easier for me to find that sense of like community in some ways. And so, yeah, like I, I, I just, it, it's, I think, yeah, there's a lot of like, like seeing to like, yeah, no, I agree. I think there's a lot of contention and, and um, tension in general, just like, of, of like, okay, like, what do I do? You know, mm-hmm. also when you don't have people like, like who, like when it's, because it's still kind of, I feel like a newer thing in our society, which I don't really, cause like, if you think about it, like 50 years ago, like probably a little more than that, like interracial marriage wasn't like, it was illegal. Yeah, it was so, like 60 years ago. Yeah. yeah, so like it's just becoming, I mean, uh, granted, I'm not, not even going to touch on the, the slavery topic of, you know, rape causing. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm fine to talk about it, but I just don't really want to. Maybe later. <laughs> Maybe later. Um, I just, yeah, just not today. Um, but I just think in general, like, this is a topic that is is new and fresh and like therefore we look to you Faiza and many mm-hmm. other folks in your situation who will be the trailblazers so yeah exactly and I mean you know now just kind of talking about you know black Asian solidarity and just like there there's history there not saying there that, you know their tensions have just divided the communities in general but really there is a history of that solidarity and of being united against white supremacy that's so powerful. And yes, it's a reminder white supremacy does not want racialized groups to, you know, join in solidarity and be united to fight against racism and white right. supremacy because that will literally tear the system down very effectively. Right. But, you know, there are now efforts, increasing efforts to do so. And so with Black Asian solidarity, there was solidarity in terms of Black Lives Matter, you know, with all the protests last summer and Asian Americans, you know, there are signs that says like Asians for Black Lives and all of that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, now in terms of, you know, solidarity, there, um, there is specifically in Oakland, but I'm sure this is happening in other places, but I'm just reading from you know, NBC Bay Area and also just like local news in the Bay Area that there mm-hmm. are rallies where, you know, the Asian community have has put on and, you know, Black folks have come and joined and also other, you know, racial ethnic minority groups that have also come. And, you know, I think, you know, that is just just coming together and being a solidarity and kind of like overcoming these tensions or really just like not letting this tensions, right, I'm saying that in quotations, um, kind of like get the best of, you know, what, you know, everyone should really be fighting for. And so there, um, in terms of addressing, you know, what's going on, and this is happening in Oakland as well, that I'm, th- I'm getting from a local news place, um, there have been efforts to call for like volunteers to ask for Asian American elderly people I've seen this on Instagram being spread on Instagram and like probably other social media now from the news. Um, and so this is initiative. Um, and I think it's so important that this is just literally just like from, you know, the community and like from people and the regular people and stuff um, to, you know, help a- Asian American elderly, you know, kind of escort them and to make sure that they're safe and that they get to the destination without, you know, being assaulted, um, you know, or harassed or, you know, robbed or even like, you know, in you know other circumstances be fatally um assaulted and things like that um and so this is happening i think it's in oakland chinatown and i think it's really good because yes there are asian americans who are doing this but also in the article that i read there is like um 
a Latino person who um, is very involved and was really speaking to, you know, how this is important for them. And there are also, of course, um, you know, like other folks, like Black folks um, who are doing this. So it's really awesome to see this solidarity, um, not only between Black and Asian communities, but also just in terms of all, like, you know, between racialized groups in general, in terms of helping Asian American elderly and keeping them safe while also rallying and really trying to, um, you know, fight against, um, you know, anti-Asian racism and hate crimes right now. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, Nicole, you could go into the history of, into it. Of, of Black Asian solidarity, you know, in the civil rights era. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I always end up with the historical examples and I kind of, I kind of love it. Okay. Um, just shows my little history in itself. Okay. Um, but yes, I think, uh, I think the work, that work is really important. Um, I think, you know, I think there's so many interesting um, ideas that come up with helping elderly folks because those are the folks who are more isolated, who, you know, kind of live in the margins of society sometimes. And the fact that, you know, they're the ones being attacked is, you know, fucked up. But then on top of that, there's also good people out there who are trying to help. And I think that's, I, honestly, I don't really speak any Asian languages. And like, I, I just wish I could participate, not assuming that all like elderly Asian folks don't speak English, but like, I feel like it'd be like, you know, because like, I mean, I know a lot of Asian folks who don't speak um, right their language. Like the I language mean, I don't, it. so as yeah, sad as so, that is. But I mean, yeah, it's but like, it's I common. Feel like you're your presence being there or just like people's presence or like being willing yeah. to volunteer and like help out. I think that's also important too. Like I feel like that just like, you know, extends beyond right language yeah. barriers and stuff. Yeah. But anyways. <laughs> I'm, I'm just so curious to see like vaccinations and how that will impact elderly, like wanting to get vaccinated. I don't know if that will impact like with the hate crimes and stuff. Mm. I'm curious to see. I, anyway, I, I, I mean, don't the vaccines so, are still are, are occurring, but we'll see. Okay, so for my topic for this week is about Yuri uh, Kuchiyama, who is a Japanese-American woman activist who um, was friends with uh, none other than Malcolm X. Yes. <laughs> so, okay, so just to give you some background on who uh, uh, Yuri is, she she is a Japanese-American. She's a daughter of two Japanese immigrants um, and grew up in California, in um, San Pedro, California, which I don't know if that's in North Cal or SoCal, to be honest. Um, I should probably know that. I'm from California. <laughs> You're um, from California. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Um, and so she grew up there. You know, she was your typical, typical gal, um, went to high school. She apparently served as the first female student body officer, wrote for the local... Um, the school paper she played on the tennis team um and then um she attended like compton junior college where she studied english journalism and art and then she graduated from there and then obviously you know life her life changed just like many other japanese americans and japanese immigrants lives changed um when pearl harbor happened in december i think it's december 7th i want to say yep. yes um, 1942. Don't don't know why I know. 1941. That. Oh, 41, 41. 41. I don't know yes. why I remember December 7th. Let me know why I remember that. Day. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, she um, was placed into an internment camp or concentration camp um, in Arkansas, I believe. Yes, it was Arkansas. Um, 
and uh, she lived like she lived there. It's actually where she met her husband, I believe, which is kind of interesting. Um, and her husband fought. Um, he was part of the reg, like the all Japanese regiment for the U.S. Army. Um, and uh, yeah, so she was in the camp and um, in Arkansas. And then after the war ended, um, the, she married her husband and they moved to New York City and she lived in um, housing projects with many with very diverse with black and Puerto Rican neighbors, which inspired her interest in the civil rights movement. Um, and she held uh, weekly open houses for activists in the family's apartment and like her children, she had six kids, um, talk a lot about how there was like very chaotic growing up. There was like always people in and out of the apartment and there was very little privacy apparently. Um, and uh, yeah, so she had um, this brief but highly formative friendship with Malcolm X. Um, she met him in 1963 and it really helped her radicalize her activism. She, there's this quote, this famous quote from her where she says, hold on, this, this is a good quote, I need to find it though. She says, oh, I didn't wake up and decide to become an activist, but you just help, you couldn't help notice the inequities, the injustices, it was all around you. So I, I don't, she kind of, there's like a commentary how she was perfectly fine with like assimilating into American society and um, kind of in many ways, I would say this happens a lot in like the Asian, maybe, I don't know, but like she kind of like to describe, like she did everything kind of like any other American girl would do um, and like didn't really see the need to kind of address these injustices probably until it really impacted her personally with the internment yeah. camps and then being exposed to a diverse neighborhood where she kind of started meeting these other fellow activists um and it was really cool because they knew a lot of folks in like the african-american like activist community referred to her as sister yuri um and she kind of like some of her peers are obviously like Angela Davis and she um, kind of in that group, that's what she was referred to. I thought that was kind of a cool fact, but anyway, so um, back back on this. So she became friends with Malcolm X and like actually um, when he was assassinated, um, she was one who ran over to him after he had been shot and was saying like, Malcolm don't die. Um, and she was with him um, during his speech in 1965, which was his last speech he ever gave um and yeah so she was like there literally until his dying last breath um and then um but her work also focused a lot on um one of the major accomplishments she had was in the 1980s um she and her husband pushed for reparations and a formal uh government apology for the japanese american mm -hmm. internment camps and um, this was through the Civil Liberties Act, and um, President Ronald Reagan signed this into law in 1988, which, yikes, okay, um, not, not yikes at signing it, but like yikes at no, it. No, no, like, like it was Reagan, you know? It was Reagan, <laughs> yeah, oh my god. Um, and then she really um, focused on a, like a myriad of issues. She was kind of controversial though, like kind of an interesting woman. She converted to Sunni Islam. Um, she was like for a while, and I think that maybe this was because of the inspiration from Malcolm X and like the Nation of Islam. Um, 
but she like she she only practiced it for a while um and then she um focused a lot of work um with the criminal like i don't want to say criminal justice system but like just kind of incarcerated folks and kind of working with like how kind of to sorry i'm like forgetting so she worked a lot with the um like incarcerated community and like further rights and kind of advocated for that as well as um uh she did a lot of she also i i don't know she was kind of like an interesting figure because um while she kind of advocated for a lot of like the issues impacting the black community and like obviously was um she also um focused a lot um she was really big in the porter like separation of puerto rico she really supported that whole movement she also um was um, active in opposing the profiling and bigotry against Muslims, Middle Easterners, and South Asians in the United States um, because she viewed it as a very similar experience to what she had, what she had experienced as being a Japanese American during yeah. World War World War Two. And um, she's a little like this is where it gets a little radical. Okay, um, no, so after nine eleven, after nine eleven. Um, she stated that the goal of the war on terror is more than just getting oil and fuel. It's the United States intent on taking over the world, which I agree. And it's important we all understand that the main terrorist and the main enemy of the world's people is the US government. This is where I don't really know if I like agree or disagree with this, but she says, I consider Osama bin Laden, bin Laden as someone, as one of the people that I admire. To me, he's in the same category as Malcolm X. Uh, uh, Chair Gurava, Guerrero, I don't know how to say it actually, and then like Fidel Castro, uh, I think Islam for bin Laden, America's greed, aggressiveness and self-righteousness, um, arrogance must be stopped, war and weaponry must be abolished. So I don't know if I necessarily agree with her supporting Osama bin Laden, but I do agree that um, mm. America's greed needs to be stopped. <laughs> Yeah. Um, she like definitely was a big supporter too of Mao, um, like the Chinese uh, communist leader, mm -hmm. um, which I don't know if I necessarily agree with that either. And she was also a big supporter of uh, Ho. Is the it's the Vietnamese communist Ho leader Ho Chi Minh? Is that how you say that? Yes. Yeah. I, I want to say. I, I obviously, yeah. you know. Um, but yes, so I thought that was interesting. However, overall, her work in the Black community just shows that um, she's also anti-war, like anti-Vietnam War, um, mm -hmm. just like a lot of folks in that time were. Um, I feel like a lot of the Black Lives Matter movement and anti-war movement can kind of go hand in hand. Um, uh, but I think in general, her work in the Black community just kind of shows that and the fact that she was able to kind of you know interact with so many highly important um black activists kind of just shows that this relationship is possible and it's possible to support issues that don't pertain to your racial group and it's possible to support and stand in solidarity and understand the problems within your racial group that may perpetuate the problems in another right but also understand that like um and kind of find solidarity in the commonality, 
right? Mm -hmm. And I guess in the commonality world, like the black experience is different than the Asian experience. That doesn't mean that like oppression is still hard and challenging to grapple with and deal with um, right, on a right. daily basis. So I feel like just kind of her being this like lifelong champion of civil rights and like, especially pertaining, I mean, she really worked with all different communities, the black community, the Latinx community, the native American community, also Asian American communities. Um, it's just kind of, to me, like she's definitely an inspiration and is definitely someone that um, can be seen as this this bridge kind of and seeing how how um, how black folks can support Asians and how Asians can support black folks because as Faiza mentioned earlier there is a lot of anti-blackness um, in the Asian community and I feel like definitely Yuri um, Kochiyama can serve as like an example of how of how we can or if not we, because I'm not part of the Asian community, but how the Asian community um, can, you know, move forward and kind of figure out how to be an activist. And like, I think it's really awesome that she was like a contemporary with Malcolm X and that they like met and interacted and spoke and like she supported him. And I think that's really awesome. Um, and the fact that she was like involved in so many different movements just kind of shows the intersections of these many different movements and how- yeah like there you kind of if you kind of support one you kind of have to support a good chunk of them so exactly yeah so I think she's just a really awesome woman and definitely look her up she's just one of those people that she just kind of seems like just like a total badass like I don't know which I really appreciate and I feel like she really focused a lot on like just also like looking at a lot of like the systemic issues um, experienced by the black community, like education, mass incarceration, which I think is also really huge because it shows that she was like invested and like knew a lot mm -hmm. about the issues. And um, yeah, she, I don't know, she was just kind of, kind of had her hands full. She kind of did a little bit of everything, which she is did, just like, awesome. And she had six kids. Oh, six kids. She had oh, six God. kids and like was like a mom and like did mom things. But like also was like a badass also, activist. Like an activist, like in literally every movement, like conceivable. Yeah, and, <laughs> but she, it's so like, funny. and I think it's so awesome that she really believes in like racial integration. And I feel like this probably comes from her experiences with living with other racial groups. Cause I feel like that is also a way for us to bridge that gap, right? Like if we want to yeah. get to know other people who are different than us, like that kind of makes them seem less. We just see them as people. Right. Um, so yeah, yeah I think um she's just like a cool lady she's cool I think Yuri um, Kochiyama is a very wow she's amazing she 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 is a very important figure for us to look look up to right now and I feel like you know people don't talk to her that they like, talk about her as much right. um I think the only instance where I probably heard her was during like AAPI history month or, or API Heritage Month that I forgot what the month is called. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that's maybe the only instance I've heard her, heard of her. And even folks don't really talk about API Heritage Month as much in like, you know, of course in schools, but also like not in the media and not in all this stuff. But I think, you know, it first and foremost, it's very important to highlight like Asian activists and, and you know, just because that is just a capacity that we don't really see Asian Americans in because of the right. model minorityness of how like, oh, they're just assimilating and they keep their heads down and they're quiet and docile and passive or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like, it's not true. You have someone like Yuri Kuchiyama and like other, um, there are definitely multiple other um, Asian American civil, 
I guess maybe not civil, but like, you know, Asian American activists that were involved in the civil rights movement or involved right. in the anti-war movement at that time. And I think that's just, um, you know, kind of a good example to kind of look at um, <clears throat> for right now too, and like for today, but also like who you said, and you mentioned like, just, you know, how she was involved in all of these, you know, movements, it does show like that, the intersectionality, right, of all the yeah. movements. They're so and related. They're all related. And I'm like, that's just still true today, because we haven't really solved a lot of the issues that they, oh. she was, she and, you know, of course, other activists were fighting against in the 60s and 70s and 80s. Right. Um, and so, of course, nowadays, like, it, I think it's so much better than to kind of think about, right, like, you know, in terms of Black Lives, Black Lives Matter, but then also in terms of stopping, right, API hate and all of these hate crimes like it you know you can see kind of this like connection right solidarity and the commonality oh that's such a good phrase that you said Nicole um but yeah like you see that commonality of like racial violence and like racism of course you're gonna have to stand up and fight against racism in all forms it doesn't really right. matter because you know every racialized group experienced racism so it's and I'm saying before, it's not really about the oppression Olympics, but it's really just fighting racism and fighting really oppression in all forms um, right. so that we can have like a more just society. But yeah, she's exactly wonderful, wonderful example. Yeah, I thought it was just great. I saw her on TikTok, I'm not going to lie. Um, and I like, was like, wait, like, why have I not learned about this woman? And um, yeah, so uh shout out to social media for exposing me <laughs> um i just also think like asian american history is just, like not really covered in like the u.s history classes that are taught in schools and like we barely went over the internment camps which i think is so problematic um and we barely went over like the chinese exclusion act it was just kind of like a yeah. sub bullet point mm -hmm. like i was like why did why is this not covered in more um detail and things like that but yeah i think um we just wanted to like talk about this issue because it's like really relevant to today and like how can different groups support one another and obviously I don't think this will be the last time we're talking about this issue because I'm sure it will come up time and time again. Um, so yeah, I just, I think, you know, solidarity is key. Solidarity is key for sure. Um, so yeah, I don't know, Faisa, if you have anything you want to mention. Okay, well, um, I encourage you folks to, you know, look up Yuri uh, Kochiyama See if you can escort some elderly folks. That's always great. And yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, have a good rest of your morning, day, evening, and catch us for another episode of the Caucasity. Caucasity. Great. The songs in our episode, Cheeky in our intro, and Thinking Free in our outro, are by Ketza from the Free Music Archive. Ketza is licensed under an attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 Creative Commons international license.